the chimes of time ring out the news another day is through someone slipped and fell was that someone you you may have long for added strength new courage to renew do not be disheartened for i bring hope for you it is no secret what god can do what he's done for others he'll do for you with arms wide open he'll pardon you it is no
the voice of love that's calling there's a chair that waits for you and a friend who understands everything standing at a distance in the shadow of your shame but there's a light of hope that's shining won't you come and take your place and bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and he calls Bring it all to the table He can see the weight you carry But through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are So bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen
talk to you about something a little different. Last week, I spent the first Sunday, the Sunday morning, I spent talking about uh, something that I felt like when I left here on Sunday, I beat myself up over. I kept saying to myself, God, I didn't make it clear enough. I didn't make it clear enough. And finally, by Sunday evening, God said something to me before church Sunday night. He said, you did what I told you to do and it's okay. And so God said to me, it wasn't about what you were going to say. It was the center of my message was upon the great I am. And I know sometimes it ain't the how it's delivered. Sometimes it's the message. It's usually always the message, but it's not necessarily how it's delivered. Sometimes you may walk away and say, well, I heard somebody else preach that message. Boy, they did a great job. I remember what they said. You know what? It's when you know in your life God has spoke to you, that's a greater time. And I know God is centered. He wanted this church to center upon the great I am. 
Why? Because he wants you to know whatever's going on outside these doors, whatever's going on on the news, whatever's going on in all of our problems, he is the great I am. He never changes. And he's alive and well. And you may think they're winning. You may think they're, they got the upper hand. They don't know what an upper hand is till they see the hand of God come against them. I'm not trying to pull judgment down. I'm trying to cry for mercy. I want it for myself. I want it for my family. I want it for my cousins. For those that's away from God, I'm crying mercy every day. And God is a great, gracious, merciful God. He's never changed. But someday these days of grace will be over. And someday the day of judgment will come. And I want to be in God's will. Today I want to talk to you about something a little different. And it's not necessarily to the church. I mean, it is, but at the same time, it's not about the church. You know, we love to have our, uh, how do you say, our little uh, hand patted on the back of the head. Oh, you're doing a good job. You're, you're, you're just so blessed. You're just so, you're just so good. But can I tell you, that's not what God gave me this week. God gave me something to talk about, and it's before the church. Why? Because I know God said this to me. I want you to talk about Israel. Now, you know what? You can go into all kinds of things talking about Israel. You can look at a nation of Israel and say Israel, the new Jerusalem. You can talk about all those things that's been written to Jerusalem. You can talk about all the things that's happened in the land of Israel. You could go back to Abraham in the beginning of God calling him out and sending him to that land. You can go into Isaac, the promised child. You can go into Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. He had all them children that filled the, filled the land full of Israelites. And all the days that's come after that. This is called Palm Sunday. That's probably a Catholic thing I'm not as far as the name. But it basically means it's talking about when Jesus rode the little donkey down in New Jerusalem, and they took those palms, those limbs, and they began to worship him. There's a semblance. There's a, there's a sign of that. It was written in the Old Testament that that day would come. I want you to turn to Matthew first, the 15th chapter, if you've got your Bible. Just want to read three verses there. But I want you to hear it. Because even though I know we're talking about Israel, I want you to center this part of Israel. God sent his son to his people, Israel, to because they were better than us? Not a bit. No, that wasn't real. Wasn't because they were more of them. It, it was because God had chosen them to be their to be the God of Israel. And the, the signal is God showing what he can do in a nation. But see, Israel, just like today, our people in the church has backed away from God. And as we back away from God, guess what? We're going to fall into the same condemnation Israel fell into. You don't want to hear that, but i got to tell you, that part goes to the church. That part is going to be on your mind all the time you're hearing what I'm talking about today. Because, see, we're accountable for this gospel that we have been given. We're accountable for what we see in this gospel. 
And I can tell you, a lot of you have been in church all your life. You've seen a lot. You're accountable to it. In the 15th chapter of Matthew, I want you to listen as the, they were attacking Jesus, these Pharisees and scribes. These were the Israelite people. These were the religious Israelite people. But they're coming against Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Jesus said to him, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draws nigh to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How many knows the church has fell into that? We do a lot of praise. We can do a lot of things. I ain't talking about necessarily here, but I'm talking about church in general. People come half the time. They halfway are involved. You'd have to uh, put a dynamite under them to get them to get up, to move, to praise God. I'm sorry. I'm not picking on nobody. I ain't picking on us. I'm just telling you that God is trying to raise us up to be the people that he wants us to be. Not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, the ninth verse, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. These men had come attacking Jesus because him and his disciples didn't wash their hands. The tradition of the Jewish people was that they had to wash their hands before they ate the bread. But when they saw the disciples didn't do that, they began to condemn Jesus for not having his disciples to follow their tradition. Jesus looked at them and said, you worry to death about your man-made traditions, but you don't worry about the commandments of God. You don't worry about what God said for you to be and what God said for you to do. See, God goes right back past what you think, and he puts right to the truth right where you're at. And you know what? God's did that to me many times. I get to thinking one way, and all of a sudden God says, get your thinker and put it back in your pocket because I don't need it. I'll tell you what to think. So many times we get corrected by God. If God loved you, he's going to chasten you and he's going to correct you. And he proves his love. Turn to Matthew 21. A few chapters, six chapters up. In Matthew 21, starts out talking about the triumphal entry, talking about the little donkey. Jesus, you remember the story, he sent a couple of disciples out, told him to go find a colt and the mother of the colt. I, I could say it, it's the ass and his mother, or his, yeah, the, the mother and her colt. Now, this Matthew talks about two, the, the mother and the colt. The other ones don't talk about both of them, they talk about just one. Jesus only rode one. He rode the colt. He rode the young one. But it says they brought the mother. Now, I've heard all kinds of stories about that. Some say that was represents Israel because Israel didn't have a rider because they didn't ride in and follow the Messiah. They didn't, they didn't accept the Messiah that God sent them. They didn't accept the Son of God, so there was no rider on the colt. I don't know. To me, that's kind of reaching. But my true look at it is Jesus wanted an innocent colt to ride on. A 
And that's why he sent them and they brought him this coat. He sets up on this little donkey and he rides down into the city of Jerusalem. Now, won't you think about this? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he came humbly and he came down for you and I. He's on a mission. How many knows Jesus is on a mission? And how many knows he's warned Israel time and time and time and time again? The Son of God has told them they rejected him. Every time they looked at him, they'd done the same thing they did in the 15th. They condemned him, found something he didn't do the way they thought they'd ought to be done. And you know what? Sometimes churches are the same way. We may not sing like you think. We may not praise God like you think. We may do too much tongues. We may not do enough tongues. We may do spiritual gifts, and we may not that day. But we'll get condemned one side or the other if people are looking for the wrong things. But if you're looking for the will of God, you'll find it. If you're listening for the voice of God, bring it back home to you. Say, Lord, speak to my heart. You tell me what's wrong, Lord. You tell me what's wrong in me. Help me to learn to repent the way you showed me. Teach me to walk with you, Lord. 21, I want you to look at verse 8. First, I'm going to read Zechariah 9.9. This is the prophecy of this day. I'm not going to preach on this. I'm just telling you something because I want you to get in this 21st chapter. This is six days before Jesus is going to leave this life. Let me hear what I just said. He's already did his ministry. He's six days from leaving here. He's the last week of his life. Just like we're a week away from Easter. This is the time. It said in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king comes unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat the foe of an ass. Then in verse 21, or chapter 21 of, of Matthew, look at verse 8. Same day it's talking about. It says, And the very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strode them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna was a word that meant before it used to mean save us now. When you'd holler Hosanna, you're hollering save us now. But it's also turned into a time of praise. And it would be something later became a shout of joy and praise. So this very word was being used to bring praise to this Jesus that's riding on a donkey down into Jerusalem. Now I want you to hear it because it's just a little bit of it. He goes on to say in verse 10, And when he was coming to Jerusalem, listen to this, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? They were having a big time in Jerusalem. It was time for the Passover 
It was time for the, for the feast days. The, the city was full of people coming from all over the place. And here in the midst of all that's going on in the city, here comes Jesus riding down the hill into Jerusalem. Listen to me. He's riding down lowly upon a, on a little donkey. But the people, they got caught up in it, and they began to worship him. And they began to raise their leaves, in the pla and they began to praise him. That's what, that's what happened six days before he died. I want you to go on down to verse 13. Jesus came on into town. He came on into Jerusalem. They looked at him on that donkey, and they said, this is the prophet uh, Jesus of Nazareth. They didn't know him as the king. They didn't know him as God's son. They knew him as a prophet. He must be a prophet. He's done a lot of beautiful things. He's a good person. So they counted him as a prophet. But how many knows even that, you're not accepting him for who he is. Israel was not accepting him for who he was. He knew it. That's why he's coming at them with some hard statements the last few days he's alive. And I want you to hear what he's saying. In verse 13, he goes into the, he goes into the temple. And he sees what they're doing in the temple. And he says to them in verse 13, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now listen to what he did in the next thing happens. Listen to this. It says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. How many knows Jesus is still showing Israel, he's showing the Jewish leaders, Randy, he's showing the Jewish leaders, I am the one that not only speaks the words, but I back it up with power. I mean, here's what I just said. Jesus not only came in there and spoke the truth, he not only spoke the prophecy that was prophesied about that time, but he says, you've made the house of God, the house of prayer, you've made it a den of thieves. They were selling and making money inside the temple. Excuse me, but that sounds a little bit like church today too. You know, sorry. Sounds like a lot of churches. They're more worried about making money, more worried about getting money out of it, than they are hearing the gospel or giving the gospel to someone hungry for the gospel truth. He goes on to say, And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. How many knows? When Jesus came into that temple and did those miracles, the religious leaders that knew the Old Testament, knew the old word of God, they were condemning him. They were displeased with the miracles that he were doing. He was doing, backing it up with power and truth, but they didn't want him. They done made up their mind. They'd cut him out. We're not accepting him. We're not looking for some humble person. We're not looking to fix us. I don't, oh, I don't need fixed. You need fix. You need that crutch, but I don't need that. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Jesus is pointing the finger at the very people he came for. And he's pointing the truth at them. And why? Because he's given them offering after offering 
of saying, here's the gospel, but you refuse. I want you to skip on down all the way to Matthew 21, 33. This is what I want to talk about. Look at Matthew 21, 33. It's a parable. Verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a certain householder. Who's the householder? It's God. Now, Jesus is telling the story before these, these people. He wants them to hear it again. He says something here to me that stood and covers the whole Bible. It covers everything God has done in this parable. Listen to it. It says, in another parable, there was a certain householder, which is God, which planted a vineyard, which is the land of Israel, and hedged it about, and digged a wine press in it, built a tower, and led it out to the husbandman. Who's the husbandman? These are the religious leaders of Israel. These are the farmers. These are people that's going to work in the, in the land for the householder, for God. I mean, here's what I just said. God put Israel in charge of the land. He gave them the land. He set it up. It's their vineyard. And he says, I go away. What he's going to do, he's going to go away, and I'm going to come back and see what you've done with what I've given you. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servant. Who's the servants? They were the prophets. How many knows God's been dealing with Israel for a long time? Are you here? God has been dealing with Israel for a long time. God's been dealing with me all my life. God's been dealing with you all your life. He's got plans. But sometimes we don't fall into those plans. Sometimes we're looking to skirt those plans, get around those plans. He says, he sent his servants, the prophets, to the husbandmen, which is the religious leaders, that they might receive the fruits of it. Now listen to what they did. And the husbandmen, talking about these religious leaders of Israel, they took his servants, the prophets, and beat one, and this is verse 35, and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandman saw that the son, saw that he, the saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir, come let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, cast him out of the vineyard and slew them, ha slew him. How many knows that's talking about Jesus Christ? How many knows who's telling the story? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is telling the very same people that he came for. He's telling the leaders of Israel, he's telling the Sanhedrin people, the court, the councils, all of those that's hearing him, they have seen nothing but him do good. Nicodemus came to him, and he was one of those, and you know what he said? He said, no man could do the miracles that you do without he be of God. How many knows they already knew he was him, but they didn't want him. They didn't want to mess up their little world. You mean you want to change me? 
You want me to repent? You want me to change my heart? No, I just want somebody to come here and lead us back into victory over Rome. We don't want to be under nobody's thumb. We're, we're God's people. We're Israel. How many knows God was doing work? The servants that suffered. How many knows some of those servants suffered? Some of them were martyred and killed. I wrote down four or five names, and I want you to hear it. I'm going to step out of my scripture just for a minute because I want you to hear this. These are the servants, those that he talked about in from 35 to 39. He said, he, he talked about those that were slain and killed. He talked about those that were beaten and turned away. Why were they done? Because they came with the truth to the kings of Israel to tell them to repent. They came to Israel that had got away from God. God sent them, their, the servants, the prophets, to tell them, get back on line and get in a line with God. Repent and come back. I thought of Elijah. You say Elijah wasn't, uh, wasn't martyred. He wasn't killed. No. But Elijah was threatened by a, the queen Jezebel, and he ran and hid in a cave. Do you know Jezebel killed prophets, the prophets of the Lord? She, was, she had done made a statement after Elijah had had this time upon the mountain where he... Uh, came against the, the prophets of Baal, and she said, you'll be like they are tomorrow. More or less, you got one day to live. She gave him the 24-hour death sentence, and she was just big enough to do it. So what'd she do? She ran and hid in a cave. He ran and hid in a cave. He was threatened. Now, you know the rest of the story. God came and got him and told him, what are you doing in this cave? Get out of this cave and go do what I told you to do. Don't worry about Jezebel. You know, God keeps saying that to me. I didn't save you, Tim Pruitt. I didn't call you to sit in your recliner at home and get up and eat the next meal and say, honey, what's the next meal? I'm going to sit right here and rest. Let this settle down. You know, God didn't call us to be fat. Fat, we're fat sometimes in the gospel. We're fat and listening to the word of God. We come listen to the word of God. If you don't apply this word of God to what God has given you to do, guess what? You're the same person sitting there in the easy chair. Feed me, Lord. Feed me. Give me all kinds of goodies. But don't expect me to do nothing, God, because I don't want to do nothing. How many of those God didn't call us to do that? I'm not meddling with you. I'm meddling with myself. I'm talking about my easy chair. God's working on us. Our work ain't done. The next one I had wrote down was Elisha. It came right after him. You say, what happened to Elisha? He died. He basically got sick and died, but he was really a, it died in victory. But Elisha, if you'll remember the story, he was in Dothan, a land called, or a city called Dothan. 
And all of a sudden, the king of Syria found out where he was at, knew he'd been given the signals to, to Israel. He'd been hearing from God and telling Israel what the enemy was going to do. And when the king of Syria found out, he went and sent his army, and he surrounded the whole city. And the servant looked out and saw those chariots and all those things around. And Elisha said, open his eyes, God. And let him see. And what happened? He saw God's chariots circled around them. How many know God's great enough to take care of us? How many knows Elisha was on his mission for God? And nobody was going to tell him he couldn't do his mission. I don't care if the whole king and all of his army surrounded him. He wasn't going to stop what God was doing. See, we need some people like Elisha. We need some people determined to follow up with God. Follow through. Don't be afraid to speak up for the gospel. The world don't want to hear it. Our news don't want it. Our government don't want to hear it. They don't want you to speak it in our schools. You got little children going to school. They need to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you ain't telling them, I promise you the school's not going to let them hear it. The next one I put down here, Elijah not only, Elisha not only opened that servant's eyes, but you know what Elisha did after that? He went down and blinded the whole army. He blinded a whole, whole army of Syria and then led them before the king of Israel. Wow. You think he didn't know God was with him? You think he was worried and fear and doubt because of the threats? We've been getting threats around here. The old enemy loves to threaten. He'll tell you you can't survive if you don't change your ways and do like the world's doing. Excuse me, you don't need the world, you need him. Isaiah. It was said of Isaiah, and it was said that King Manasseh is the one that did it, but he was sawn asunder. He was cut in half. Do you know how many beautiful things is written in the book of Isaiah? Do you know how beautiful his call was in the sixth chapter of, of Isaiah when he went up to the throne of God? Do you know how beautiful his words are when he spoke of the servant that would come and lay down his life for Israel? He spoke of Jesus. 53rd chapter of Isaiah. You can read it. Nobody felt that like Jesus did. He's wrote of our new Jerusalem. He's wrote many beautiful things in there. But they cut him in half. Why? They didn't want to hear what he had to say. He was sent by God to speak the truth to Israel, and they refused him. That's why he was killed. The next one I got wrote down is Jeremiah. According to tradition, Connie, I don't know if it's true, but according to the traditions, he was stoned to death. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He wept and cried over Israel going into bondage, and he preached to them, and he preached to them, and he preached to them, but they wouldn't change their ways. They refused. Connie taught on it this morning. 
tradition says he was stoned. The next one is Ezekiel. Only thing I found on Ezekiel is it said he was martyred. Never told how, just said he was martyred. And I thought about Ezekiel because we talked about that before. Ezekiel was the man of God that was went into bondage. He was carried off into Babylon with the rest of them. But Ezekiel spoke the prophecy's words to Israel. He kept on crying out to them. God can restore you. Don't you understand? God can take you from this bondage and put you back up on your feet. He loved Israel. God has proven his love for Israel. Ezekiel was told his, his message was so serious. God was so serious with Ezekiel that his love of his life, his wife died. I told you this before. She died one night, and God said, you have not got the time. I do not want you to go before the people and weep publicly. I need you to go back and still give them the message that they're going into bondage. And they knew his wife died, and they didn't understand when he got up and began to preach to them again and to tell them what was happening and how they needed to repent. But see, he was serious about the call of God. He was serious about what God. I'm looking for serious people about what God's doing. Don't you know God's coming soon? We can sing of Jerusalem. We can get all excited. We can jump up and down and be happy that we're going home someday. And we said it yesterday. Someday, I said it last night, Connie. Someday you're going to look around. There's going to be some empty seats. More is going on to the other side. And you'll be left to wonder, how do I cross over? How do I prepare myself for eternity? I'm leaving here. I know I'm leaving here. You're leaving here, whether you know it or not. You're leaving here. Are you ready? Look at verse 40 of 21. It says, When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard comes, what will he do unto those husbandmen, those of Israel that did that? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men. Listen to these scribes and Pharisees. They're ready to pass judgment about what, of what the other Israelites didn't do right. It says, and he will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him fruits for their seed. Now he's talking about leaving the Jewish people and going to the Gentiles. That's why me and you is included. I don't know if you know it, because their rejection of Christ and the Jews have rejected him as a nation, and the Gentiles was opened up to the gospel because they refused. I don't know about you, but that ought to put a charge in you. Because you ain't, I, don't, I don't know anybody here is born Jewish. No matter if you were or not. If you don't know him, you missed it. Verse 42, Jesus said unto them, Did you ever, did you never read in the scriptures? Listen to this. 
Jesus speaks to these scribes and Pharisees. Listen to what he says. Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Praise God. Jesus knew who made this plan and what, what was happening. He went back and he said, look all the way back at the prophets. Look all the way back at those godly men that stepped up and tried to get Israel to repent, and they refused. That's what Jesus is telling the story about. How many knows what Jesus told them was true? It's prophesied all over the place. It talks about them all over the place. He, he goes on to say, verse 43, Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. I don't know about you, but that's a bad judgment. For Jesus to say, you either fall upon the stone, which who, who is the stone? Right. But he's warning them. You either fall on the stone. He's giving them their last warning. I don't know if you know it or not, but they've already declared. They refuse. They reject Jesus. They reject him as the Messiah that's came. Now they're going to crucify him. They're going to kill him just like he said it would happen. But that stone, you'll either fall on that stone and be broken of your own life. See, you've got to surrender yourself to him. This ain't a club you join. This ain't a, a, a group of church that you sign your name, say, oh, I get to go to heaven now. No, this is where you surrender your life and you say, Lord, I've been leading my life the wrong way for so long. I've been so blind. This person inside of here is killing me. Lord, I need a Savior. And when you find Jesus, he's your Savior. He's your Savior, Dakota, all your life now. He's your Savior. You have to put the old man down. Old man, I don't follow you no more. I got a new leader, a new Lord of my life. Someone that loves me. Someone that will forgive me. Some, someone that every time I fall down, he won't kick me and destroy me. He'll pick me up and tell me, go on. Learn a little more. Go a little farther. Praise God. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard this parable, they, they perceived that he spoke of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. The people thought he was a good prophet. So the religious leaders got scared to go and try to capture him. That's why I said it a couple weeks ago. They arrested him in the middle of the night. It wasn't right. They had him on the cross the next day before the multitude ever knew about it. They'd already passed judgment on him. Come on back up, man. That same scripture about the stone, it says, in, is in Psalms 118. It says, the stone which the builders refused has become the head stone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, marvelous in our eyes. Guess what verse is next to that? Guess what follows that prophetic verse in the 118th Psalm? The next verse says this, and you've heard it all your life. This is the day which the Lord has made. What day? The day that the stone was refused. The day that I'm talking about this week 
that I'm talking about, which is this week before Easter or before the Passover times. This Palm Sunday or however you want to say it, this time, it was prophesied that that would happen. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Did you know that it was the day that the Lord made for Jesus to die for our sins? We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. See, we take communion and we may say, Oh, I'm sorry, God, I sinned and put you on the cross. And we're all, it's all true. But we need to rejoice because the good news of the gospel's come. Because Jesus paid our price. He made a door when there wasn't no door. He brought, he is the door to eternity. He's the door back to the Father. In second chapter of Luke, I want to read something about Simeon. How many remembers who Simeon is? Simeon is the one that they brought Jesus to, Mary and Joseph did. They brought him to be anointed. We're going to have a baby anointing here in another week or so. But it says here, And Simon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. What does that mean? Did you know what Jesus has did 2,000 years ago? This very day they speak against it. This very day, our world cannot accept what he did for them. They want to accept it on the outside, uh, saying, well, if there's going to be a trip gets to go to heaven, I want to be in heaven. And most every one of them believes they're going there, and all of Hollywood thinks they're going there. Every, one of them, every time one of them die, they say, oh, he's up there telling jokes to God, or he's up there singing for God. I don't know. I hope they're all up there singing. I hope they make it in the door. But the real truth is, the real truth is, they still hate him. Now, I want to tell you something that's true. You think about it today. You'll either love him or you hate him. You either make up your mind, I love Jesus for all he's did for me, and I owe him everything, or I hate him. I don't want nothing to do with him. I don't like the light he shines on me. I don't like those Christian people. I'll hate everything about God. How many knows we still got them? How many know we got a world full of them? There is no middle ground. You're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. You may be nice to Christians. You may think that's going to get you okay with God. But I'm going to tell you something. I used to, I told you before, I had people, if my wife had guy kept buying me coffee. He thought that was going to get him to heaven, I guess. I don't know what he kept buying me coffee every time he'd see me. And I'm thinking, buddy, why don't you go to church with me? Oh, I can't do that. Walls will fall in. In Acts 4, Peter said this, Verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name 
none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. How many know Peter's still preaching to Israel? He was preaching to those at the Passover. He was preaching to those that were there on Pentecost. He was still preaching to his people. There is only salvation in one name. His name is Jesus. Now I want you to hear Romans. This is the last thing I got to read. I know it's my time's up. Romans 11, verse 19. Thou wilt say then, listen, Christian, you'll say it too. The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Praise God, we're, we're happy that we get to be saved. We're happy that God has turned to us and he's reaching out and he's convicting souls and he's welcoming you with the song said, arms are open to you today. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Jesus loves you. He died for you and you ain't no different than nobody else. You will come to him or you will lose your way. But one day, whether you come to him or not, you'll fall. I said it last week. You'll fall on your knees and you will proclaim him as Lord. You will see he is the true Lord. That day's coming. See, that's not only coming for judgment, but it's coming for the victors too. He said the branches were broken off that I, talking about the church, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, Paul said. And thou stands by faith. How many knows we stand by faith? Not our works. We stand by believing what Jesus did for us. That's very clearly written. Paul's writing it. But he says, be not high-minded. Talking to the church. Don't get, don't get high-minded about this. Just because you know the way in Israel's law still. Don't get high-minded, he says, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue. Listen to that. If thou continue. See, the church is in trouble today because they're refusing. They want to say, I got saved a long time ago. No matter what I do, I'm going to get to go to heaven. I don't, it don't matter if I live right, I don't live right. If I still got my sin, I'll carry it around with me, and God will forgive me. He's already forgiven me for all that. It don't matter. And I'm telling you, you're listening to a lie. Follow the word of God because he's talking to you today. He's talking to the church now. Because he already knows what's happened to Israel. Paul already knew what Israel had done. They had rejected him. And God's going to reach out and touch them one more time. He's going to bring the truth to their eyes and they're going to weep. It's in Zechariah 12. He said, if God spare not the natural branches, take heed lest he spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity. What is severity? It's the strictness and the harshness of God. How many knows he's a true judge? You don't want to go before a true judge. You don't want to go before a judge when you got guilt. Do you? 
You want to say, I hope this judge is merciful to me. I hope he's merciful to me because I'm guilty of some things. And he'll find it. That's what he's called to be. God knows all things. The strictness and the harshness is the severity. But toward thee, goodness. That's the kindness of God. He's been kind to you and me. He's reached out and he's brought us back. I think about Peter, how he denied Christ three times. But Jesus came right back to him. Do you love me, Peter? Go feed my sheep. Do you ever feel like a failure? Do you need encouraged in the Lord today? I'm going to tell you something. I need encouraged sometimes. Sometimes I feel like nothing's happening. I'm just failing you, God. I don't know what to do. Do I come up with a show? Do I come up with a program? Do I come up with something spectacular that'll impress you with something to make the church move and to make God move? No. The message has never changed. Apostle Paul was a great speaker. I'm sure that he could that hold his own with anybody. But can I tell you there was only one message? His name was Jesus. Paul didn't preach himself. He didn't preach, feel good about yourself. He preached Jesus. The only way, the only name under heaven whereby you must be saved. He says, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Then listen to what Paul said at the end. Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. Uh-oh, church. You mean I'm not a shoe-in? It's not a sure foundation. It's not a sure thing. If you don't stay with him, you're losing your way. You'll go back to being the old man. You have to stay before him. Yes, he will cut you off. He told one of them in the church, I will remove your name book of life we don't want to hear that see we want to look and say Jesus did it 2,000 years ago and I ain't got to worry about it. he did his part I got to do my part just do the best I can no God wants you to surrender yourself to him he wants you to walk it and he wants you to commit yourself to him every day every part of your life there are not places where you can't take the Lord with you. He should go with you everywhere you go. And you don't feel, you shouldn't feel guilty if it's, if it's right. If you feel guilty, you need to get out of there. I don't care what it costs you. Praise God. I've hollered at you for this time. Now I want you to stand. And I want you to know the center of this message is on Israel. The center is on how God dealt with his own people that he loved and still loves today. How many knows Jesus loved the church? How many knows he gave? In Ephesians, he says, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. Christ loves the church. He gave himself for it. 
where are you today? Are you ready to go home? Are you in his will? Are you living your life for him? I'm not trying to condemn you. I don't want you to feel bad about nothing. I want you to rejoice and be happy in the Lord. Because I want to rejoice and be happy. But sometimes God chastens me. Sometimes God corrects me. Sometimes God's got to do that to tell me I'm in the wrong frame of mind. I'm in the wrong spirit. I have to follow through with him. One day you're going to look. I won't be here. Somebody else will be hollering at you. Ain't that something? How many times? I look at these old westerns, and every one of them's dead on there. Every, everybody I watch on these old westerns dead. They're gone. They look so alive and healthy, and I love them old westerns. I can't help it, Jerry. I, I just keep watching them. Charlie gets mad, but it's the only show that don't curse. So I watch them. And, I, and I'm getting old, so my brain don't remember I done seen it until about three-fourths through it. So I just grin and say, I don't know if I saw this or not. I watch it so serious. Praise God. I'm glad I got a Savior. I'm glad he's on my side. I don't want to be on the other side no more. I found out that side don't work. I'm on the side of the gift of eternal life. And I'm nobody. I didn't earn this at all. I just know he loves me. I know he loves you. I don't care who you are. But you need to come to him willingly on your own. You need to walk up here and say, I need to be saved. Or I need to bring and clear the slate, my Lord. I need to bring all of my troubles and my cares and my sin and put it at the feet of Jesus. He's waiting. He's still bidding for you. Praise God. While they sing, while he sings something, God knows where you're at. Don't look down, look up. Don't look down, look up. Your answer's up, it's not down. I'm ashamed sometimes of myself, but I still got to look up. Lord, I need you again.
you'll pay he knows the life that you'll have to live but can I tell you something it'll be worth it all it will be worth it all see the Jewish people when I read that in the 118th Psalm this is the day the Lord's made how many knows the day came when it was time for the Savior to come in the man's history, here come the Savior at that time. He presented the message from the Father. He did the will of the Father, and he laid down his life and died. Do you know he's got a day? He's not going to force you to serve him. But he's got a day for you, and it might be today. It might be your last opportunity. You have no idea have no idea if you'll have it tomorrow or if you'll ever be in a service again where the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying, come, come to Jesus today. This is your day. Hear what I'm saying? This is your day. It was Israel's day and Jesus was pouring his heart out to him. Just like all the prophets before, they poured their heart out to him, the truth. This is your day. Don't walk away. God's not going to force you to serve him. But it will be worth it all. When you see him coming and calling your name and the trumpet blowing, and you'll be caught up together with him forever. I believe it because Jesus wrote it. It's in his word. It will be worth it all when we see.